Hello everyone, this is Yulei Strate. Today I'm hosting Jody Golden and Susanne Conrad on the Skills for Mars podcast. Jody Golden is a consultant and founder of Word Design Works. Her focus is on helping senior leaders reduce bureaucracy and hierarchy by designing better ways of working. Susanne Conrad is a veteran remote work practitioner. As a consultant for learning and organizational development, she provides training for virtual teams and virtual leadership skills. On this episode, we discuss the practicalities of remote work during the COVID-19 pandemic and in general. We talk about the perfect remote workday, about how long it takes to get used to working remotely, about trust, the feeling of losing control and power, about taking advantage of existing technologies as tools that support communication and collaboration. If you do find these types of conversations useful, you can support the podcast by subscribing to it. To access the video podcast and subscribe for free to my YouTube channel, go to youtube.com forward slash skills for Mars and hit the subscribe button. Alternatively, you can go to skillsformars.com and click the YouTube confirm your subscription button. And now I give you Jody Golden and Susanne Conrad. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Skills for Mars podcast. Today, I'm welcoming Jody Golden and Susanne Conrad. Jody is the founder of Or Design Works. She's a consultant helping companies reduce bureaucracy and hierarchy. And Susanne. She's an expert in remote working. She's a learning consultant. She's a coach and a training in everything virtual. Jody, Susanne, thank you very much for accepting to podcast with me. Thanks, Julia. It's exciting to be here. It's a pleasure. Before we start and go into anything deeper, could you be okay to introduce yourselves and tell us, tell everyone what you do as professionals? Sure, I can start. So as you already introduced a little bit, I'm a consultant and I have my own business called Org Design Works. Uh, I work with companies to help them design better ways of working. My background is in HR and I've been really lucky to work with and in big companies and all around the world. So I feel really, really happy that I've, I've had that opportunity. Um, and now when I work with companies, I'm, I'm really passionate about doing that because I believe that companies, that corporations can really have a positive impact on the world. And, and I know that because um, when I work with big companies, it's the people in those companies, they're really amazing and talented and motivated. Um, but at some point, working in an organization, I think sometimes we all have the feeling like it can get really tough. It can get that you're dealing with politics and matrix organization and it's hard to get things to happen. Um, and at some point I stepped back and I took a look at that and I realized that the way that we design our organizations can really make a difference. And so, yeah, I, I wanted to learn more about that. I want to help companies with that. And I guess I'm on a mission to design the organization of the future. That's very nice. I hope you can do it. And then we, that we can really reduce uh, hierarchy and bureaucracy because I find it very daunting right now. It's, it's very hard to get things done in some organizations. Thanks. Thanks, Jody. Susanne, yeah. 
Yeah, my background, I've also been working in a, in a huge global pharmaceutical companies for nearly 17 years in sales and in marketing. And for the last years, I've been responsible for the internal e-academy. So I was really starting to build up the digital learning spaces and did a lot of training on webinars and create uh, blended learning programs in an effective and beautiful way. And um, two years ago, I started building my own business. So the, the topics, of course, they, they stayed with me. So now that's why I'm a learning consultant. And as you said, my focus now is really um, yeah, supporting teams and people on, on working virtually. So virtual meetings, virtual trainings, uh, virtual workshops, virtual conferences, how to do virtual leader, how to do, how to be, uh, what it means to be a, a leader in a virtual environment. And my passion is about building bridges. So what I've always loved is to bridge the analog and the digital space. And so the opportunity right now with this coronavirus crisis is now this bridge building capacity is really needed because it's so disruptive and it needs people to to put a branch over the, the big gap that is now happening here to stay connected. Indeed, isn't it fascinating because everything, so the future of work was going nicely ahead and definitely remote work was part of it, right? More and more people started to work remote, more and more companies were starting to give up and uh, be less afraid to, keep, to, to have their people working from home. And then all of, all of a sudden, everyone finds themselves in this situation uh, where they, we all have to work from home. Yeah, no longer one day per week, no? yeah. but it's five days per week Five now. days per week, yeah. Some say hooray, some say <laughs> we hate it. How about you? Do you like it? Susanne, do you, I do you like it. working remotely? I, I like it. Um, I, I mean, I have been working, of course, remote for the last years, of course. But um, what I find now challenging for myself is also to restructure my day. Yeah, because I feel... Um, there is no space anymore for concepts or plans. So what... If short term was uh, like uh, one or two weeks in the past, short term now means three hours. So I think our 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 schedule has has changed completely. And each day, I have I the motto of last week was, in the morning I had an idea about the day. I don't say a plan, an idea about the day. And in the evening I looked back and found it was totally different. And slowly I'm getting used to it. So even for me, it's now changing, yeah, structuring the day and uh, yeah, prioritizing and going with the kind of a flow and the dynamics that are out there. Yeah, yeah it, it, does, it does feel different. Jodi, how about you? Do you enjoy working remotely? I imagine you do part of your work, at least part of your work remote. Exactly. It's a similar situation for me. I've been working quite a lot of my work is remote and I like it. I'm comfortable with that. But another part of my work is in person, and that's a really important part of my work. So I also find now what is a, a really challenging adjustment is how to replace that in-person contact. So I'm finding that the way we communicate with each other is changing quite a lot. You know, now part of every day is just staying connected with people that I'm close to which I wouldn't have done before because I would have assumed, well, you know, we're going to meet next week or we're going to meet sometime soon. And now those in-person meetings are not there. So 
I realize that my days are structured, that I really invest some time in just connecting with people. But it does, I'm not sure how you feel about it, but I feel this period, I've, I've wor- been working remote for, from 2011, so almost uh, almost uh, uh, 10 years, and I really enjoy it. But I find that this period is different, and it is most probably because of because of this crisis and uh, everyone going to working online i'm not sure how you f- how you feel about this period do you you already said you're feeling it different but did you do you feel from your customers i feel sometimes that people are being trapped and they don't uh, they don't enjoy it even if they've only maybe stayed at home for a week uh, sometimes i deal with hysteria people people crying on the phone even if they've only been home for one or two days how do you how do you feel it from uh, from your customers and the others what the others you are interacting with? Now exactly the the what you describe, uh, Julia. I, I see that as well. It's a mixture of um, I stay at home and now also I have to deal with technology, and um, some some people really don't uh, don't know yet how to feel familiar and how to become friends with technology. In addition, you have this crisis with my which may threaten your your friends or your relative relatives. And uh, the last point, maybe you have kids and your family, so you have to to homeschool all of a sudden and to take care of your kids and still try to continue with your work. So this is a huge burden. It's really a huge challenge. I think that there's a, like you said, Julia, you see, I see on my LinkedIn feed right now that there is a lot of posts about remote working and switching to a virtual working space. But uh, I remember as well that it's not just that switch that's going on right now. If you are a leader in a company right now, you are probably worried about the well-being of your employees and your customers. You're probably seeing either a huge drop in demand or maybe you're seeing a huge increase in demand. You might be thinking about how you're going to help your employees get trained for a different kind of work. You might be worried about the security of your supply chain or the security of your financial situation. Uh, The list just goes on and on. So it's actually the kind of work that we're doing right now is, is changing at the same time as how we are working. So it's a lot of things going on. Is there a perfect day? Because I don't think there is a, I, my, my remote work days are never the same. Sometimes <laughs> as you do in normal work, you have to adapt, adapt to, uh, you either have to wake up earlier, go to sleep later. Uh, lunch is never at the same hour. So even the routine part is never the same. So I don't think I found the perfect recipe. I found a, per- a recipe that works for me and I feel comfortable with it. But do you have something perfect that you would say, yeah, this is it, I nailed it? To be honest, no. And I think maybe this is the secret. There is no magic pill for, for the perfect remote day. It's a, it's, I think it's invitation to really explore more, maybe more than in the past, where you have been told what to do. And now it's your task to explore for yourself, what do I need? What matters for me? My personal example is I have to go out. I have to go out at least once a day, better twice a day, and if it's only briefly. Yeah. So we are really more asked to take care of your needs, become aware, 
express them and make sure you 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 have a good uh, good good working day whatever that means for you play with the kids for two two hours yeah um cook. have a cook cook have something a have a nap yeah be with your family and have a specific time to focus and concentrate and work Jody, how is it? How about how about for you? What would be the closest to perfect, or maybe you have a perfect remote work week or day? <laughs> well, I don't think I have anything like a perfect remote day. And in fact, when you ask the question, what comes to me is actually, you know, what's a perfect work day? And for me, it's not about that it's a remote working day or not a remote working day. It's more about you know, what did I want to get done and do I feel good about it on that day? It reminds me a bit that I, you know, I often work with groups of people on how they are meeting. So we talk about what's a perfect meeting for them. Now, I never heard two groups give the same answer of what a perfect meeting is. So usually we're working on, let's design what your perfect meeting would be like, and then we'll work out how to make that happen. And then it, so it's really depending on, you know, what is what is their meeting all about? Why do they meet? Are they trying to create something new? Are they trying to share information uh, and then create the, the approaches and the methodologies that work for them? I did ask this question with a purpose because I was actually hoping that you will say that, hey, there's not a perfect day. Uh, because with all the guides that are out there, uh, it just feels like you have to do certain things. Uh, be disciplined, wake up at seven, uh, make your bed, do lunch at 11. So you have all sorts of advice that just feel like everything has to be extremely structured so you can work from home. Whereas my feeling is that it's maybe less structured. So you just have to accept it and, and somehow just, just go with it, go with what comes and, and focus on what's important in that, in that uh, moment. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it makes about as much sense as telling everyone in the world that a perfect day at work looks like this, because everyone has a different job, right? So how could they all have the same perfect day at work? Yeah, for sure. But I, I never thought, I never heard this question about the perfect day at work, because we just do work like forever. Our parents did it and everyone, whereas now it just feels a bit like... Hey, you have to do A, B, C, and this is the corner, and this is how you have to sit. And uh, is it good to have the dog? Is it good to have the kid? What happens if if, if this <laughs> or that? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it just uh, uh, it's how long did it take you to get used to working from home? Personally, it took me about, but I had time, right? It took me about a year to learn. From going to the office 12 years, then it, I needed a year to really learn how to behave at home. Get the, there is a bit of discipline, right, that you need to get. There is a bit of space that you need to negotiate with the rest of the family. So you do have some things to take control of, right, and just create the, the normal routines of working from home. How long did it take you to, to build a good work yeah. day? Um, similar, Julia, it took really months and the the biggest difference i think that's also what what leaders are now facing is this um the, the lack the, the the way of controlling or uh, the way of telling people what they should do is is completely changing 
And that was something I also perceived when I was leaving the company I've been working for. And then I, I worked on my own. I said, no one is putting my priorities. No one. I have to schedule my day on my own. And I felt really stressed. I was super stressed because I felt, oh my God, there's no one else. I can only <laughs> take my own nose and be responsible how I feel. And so it's about a lot more self-responsibility now and a lot less, and probably it's also your topic, Jody, huh? hierarchy and uh, also power. We can maybe talk about that later, the effect on, on power uh, that we experience now. And I also see, it's great that you asked that question, Julia, because it reminded me of going through that transition myself and actually seeing it as an opportunity because maybe you've been going to work day after day, year after year, and you, ha and you don't really think about it that much. You just do it. And now suddenly everyone is thinking about how do I structure my day? How do I communicate with my colleagues? And uh, for me, it's funny because a lot of my work is about helping people to get into that headspace, into their normal work, you know, to slow down and think about how to design the work. And now suddenly, everyone's looking at how they design the work. This is what we've been, you know, this is the work we've been doing all along. You're just like, yes, finally. Now they, now they have the time to listen. <laughs> it's a booster. Huh? It's a real yes. booster um, for the questions you've been asking during the last years already, Jody. So I think it's important for everyone to know, leaders to understand that even for themselves and for their people, it just takes a while to get accustomed to working from home and negotiating with yourself and with the family uh, what's going to happen and how things are going to happen because most probably you have husband and wife and maybe even other uh, siblings working in the same uh, home, right? And it's the, same for, it's the same for everyone. So two, three weeks, I don't feel it's enough. I think it will take a bit more for us to, to really learn how to work from home and be really truly efficient because we do have distractions, right? And they're just, they're just real and you need to learn how to deal with those and yeah, get them in, into a sort of routine. And it's also about this, these feedback loops. Yeah. We cannot have, again, I said, we cannot have a plan now. We go mm -hmm. step by step and let's do one day and another day and then reflect, what is it that worked well? What can we agree upon in, as a team? What do I take for me and for my family situation? And then I adapted and I changed. So it's, it's an invitation, another invitation for this reflection. Susanne, you were mentioning uh, about power, right? And um, I think there's, what I also heard is a lack of control or feel of lack of control from uh, managers. I've read articles that they have their people sit on Zoom the whole day, like literally Zoom is open the whole, the entire day, uh, whether they are really working together or not, uh, so they can say hello and so on. How can managers, and I'm asking both of you, how can they feel that they have this trust and control? What are you advising usually companies to do? Because in my mind, if someone would ask me to, to keep Zoom open the whole, the whole day, I would say, no way in hell. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you don't see me at work. You're in your office. You don't see me uh, at every single moment. Why would I be with a camera the whole day? So how can they 
gain the trust, work to gain the trust and the and this feeling of control. Yeah, the trusting. Let me first say about power and then about trust. I think what really changes now is this that working remote is the biggest disruptor of power we can imagine, at least power coming from status. So whenever we have been in the same room with a CEO, yeah, we see we see the the suit, we see the 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 pen, we see the notebook, um, we know about the size of the office or the the number of windows, we know about the car, and all this is now not visible. So whatever the title on the business card is. Now this person is just another guy with a headset. And that's something that has an impact and it has an impact on control and it also has an impact on trust because uh, all hierarchy is, is, um, is, is vanishes in, in, the, in the virtual setting. We are all equal here. We are three persons with a headset. That's it. So what does this mean? Yeah, and for um, it means um, regarding trust, we have to trust, and trust is not something you can earn. Trust cannot be earned. Trust is to be given, and it's given really in the smallest of moments. So that's another. I repeat, it's another invitation to explore what is it really that creates trust. And to remember in our own lives, what were the moments where we started trusting someone? What exactly happened? And this is wonderfully the same now taking place in the, in the workspace. It is very interesting to say that trust is not um, uh, earned, but is given. So how would that translate in this remote work situation? Yeah, it's the... the the example you already gave, uh, it's not about having a Zoom meeting from, from, eight to, from 8 to 8 or from 8 to 5. It's not mirroring our, our face-to-face working situation. Jodi, and maybe that's also this. your topic, huh? Because it, yeah, I know but it's I your... love your answer, Susanna, because it's, a, it, it's reframing it. So actually, when you ask the question, how can a manager have more control or more, uh, more power in the situation. Actually, it's around how can a manager understand that they don't need that in order to lead. And so there's a little, there's an element of it being a personal journey as well. Um, and for me, it resonates in terms of working a lot with companies who are trying to move towards a less hierarchical way of working. And you can see that there is a trend in that direction to have fewer layers of management and bigger, flatter hierarchies and self-organizing teams, all this kind of thing. So if you think about if you're a leader in that situation and you can see that this is the direction that it's going, you might really start thinking, hey, what does this mean for me? Because if you've worked as a leader, we've all learned how to lead with the power that's given to us. And sometimes people even say, well, I could, ha- I could get a lot more done if I had the authority to push things through, right? So, so we know it's valuable to have that authority. 
So what I would say to leaders who are in this situation and they're feeling uncomfortable with it is that it's not about stepping down. You know, it's not about losing your power. It's about inviting the people in your team to step up and to be at the same level with you so that you can really leverage all of the talent and intelligence that's in the team. And if you can do that, then you'll see that you'll be much more effective as a team, actually. And this is leadership. So even if you imagine, well, you know, at the extreme example, we will have fewer leadership positions on the organization chart. It doesn't mean we'll have less leadership. We still need leadership. So it's, it's also about learning a different kind of leadership. Now, that's why I think it's kind of interesting that we're now in a situation where remote work is making that just happen. It's making it happen and people will have to adjust. So I'm kind of fascinated what's going to happen. Mm. So what would be our advice to them so they can relinquish this control, right? And just give empower, empower their own people to do what they have always, uh, th- what they have always done, even if they don't see them face to face. I mean, these are some, some practical things I, I, I advise. And one of them is to become, to, to step back from thinking about the former functions that I mentioned on your business card, but really more think in roles. So what are the roles we need in the team? Yeah, the one that is the creative one, the one that is uh, the analytical mind, the, the one that is the networker. So what are the people that I have in my teams? What are my personal strengths as, as a leader? What are the roles I love to have and can I rely? And to really be very clear and transparent on these different strengths and roles and assign the task around that. Uh, that's and one. trust your people that they will just do it. And if they don't, they have someone to go to and ask, and then you will support yeah. them. Yeah, trust. And another thing is that probably also another advice or another one advice, but something we, we should be aware is that often our, our company culture is that in the company, I'm the professional one and private life is nothing that is happening in the company. Maybe at the coffee corner or during lunch and with uh, people I know well. But otherwise, I'm professional. And this is another thing that is changing now. Because we are, can only work remotely effectively when we are really seen and heard as humans. So if leaders listen to their team members wholeheartedly and with their uh, personal and professional lives. So inviting, um, being clear about tasks and priorities and purpose and targets, that is super important. And at the same time, now it's a leadership task to invite, building relationship, chatting, having small talk, having the virtual coffee break, having the sharing and connecting corner, and have that in the meeting, in the online meeting, and outside. And that's now really a task to do this very, very intentionally. And I think that has been different in the past, probably. True. And then I think you touched on the, on a very, on a critical subject, which is listening. Mm. And my experience, uh, prior to this, so I, I imagine now it's even worse, uh, with all the crisis, right. And the struggle that you feel inside, and then you're just looking at numbers and you're stressed. Uh, listening is key. Uh, how do we help 
what what can leaders do and what can employees do so they can start listening but really listening to each other like really being present while the meeting is happening when someone has an opinion listening taking down notes reflecting asking questions so that they they are really really present and don't make a waste of it right because it's anyway harder you need to con- communicate so much more uh online that you do offline you don't have the uh, all the time the looks you don't have the mimics the gestics right sometimes this communication can only be done by phone so it's not as easy as it seems so listening is key how <laughs> can they focus and listen that's a beautiful bridge yeah jodie and we are both so much smiling because of course it's another topic that we are both super super passionate about <laughs> listening and um maybe i say something and you add to jody because uh, there's so much to say we could have the rest of the podcast on that topic probably but one idea i have is um that leaders can change their intention um for listening it's a difference if i listen to someone in order to get my things done in a better way or if i listen to someone in order to support this person to do his or her things in a better way yeah that's a completely switch of mindset and just to underline we're looking at the second one that's that's the good behavior yeah, that's the good <laughs> yeah that's the the switch uh, again which is now important and will be uh, a magic thing to explore how can i listen in order to make people support people do their thing in a better way and there was much more to say jody maybe some of your ideas <laughs> sure i think that nearly everyone would already agree that listening is an important skill and it's really powerful and uh there's lots of ways that you can improve your skills in listening and susanna and i are part of a network uh we know people who are offering different ways to strengthen your skills. What I think it's really interesting is that especially in the workplace people say, "Oh yeah, I know I should be a better listener." But then you go into a meeting at work and suddenly everyone is talking at once and everyone's just trying to get their voice heard. Some people go through whole meetings and they never get to say anything. Um and sometimes meetings are just dominated by one or two people. So how is it that we can go maybe we can go to a course and we can learn how to be really fantastic listeners and then we go to work and we think well it just doesn't work here. But there's something about the way our work is designed that doesn't support good listening at all. So a lot of the work that I do with teams is to introduce ways to hold meetings where people listen to each other which is it's not really that hard to do and once people do it they go wow we made the decision really much faster and we made better decisions and if they learn to do it in part of their normal work then it can become part of the dna of how they work together and uh again what i've been learning from susanna about how to run really fantastic virtual meetings is that that's kind of already built in so as soon as we're in this situation you see what we're doing we are taking it in turns and we are listening to each other and Yulia you're you're asking us a question one at a time so we're all speaking about equally but if we were in a room with a cup of coffee 
and we weren't really paying attention, it might not be like that. It might be different. Oh, for sure. And then this is this is what I feel when I work uh, in organizations that listening is very hard. And when what's happening is that we think that our work is so important that when, especially when we are in a remote uh, meeting with people all over the world, even if we are in the office, we still do email, we still answer to calls, nothing is on silent. So of course you cannot concentrate. It's it's very, very hard. Whereas listening intentionally and b- being focused intentionally implies that you disengage from from whatever else you are doing, which is not so easy. I'm not sure, does any of you... Uh, believe or or have tried uh, meditation on my mi- or mindfulness. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> so I me, felt... actually listening and mindfulness are, are two things that I mm-hmm. always try to introduce. Uh, so if I'm talking about listening, usually the next sentence I'm going to be talking about mindfulness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think they are related. And then I really learned how to listen and how to be present in the moment with the people that I'm talking with by mindfulness. And it was the quickest way possible. Otherwise, I always had to, it, it was always a struggle, right? Just to concentrate myself, just to discipline myself to listen. But when I learned how to just listen and pay attention to my breath and what I was feeling in that moment, it took maybe a few months, and then I was able to transfer this, this skill extremely quickly to the workday and to everything else I was doing. That brings me to the, to the situation we often hear. Yeah, So I, I'm a good listener, but the other isn't. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, so I, I would, but the other is talking all the time. So how can I bring good listening to the other? <laughs> and then the bad news is start with yourself. Exactly what you said, Julia. Start listening to yourself. Do you have your mobile switched off? Are you really present? Have you taken care of your needs? Because then you can start listening to someone else and you said it intentionally. Yeah, choose. So for me, listening really is a choice. It's not that we are good listeners all the time and 24 hours. It's about taking a very conscious decision when to listen to whom to listen, on what level to listen, and how long, and on what topic. And in the meantime, I'm I'm very, very, very conscious about the persons I give my gift of listening. And I'm very consciously saying this person is someone or a topic I'm not able or not maybe not at the moment. Uh, it goes through my head and that's okay. So it's about taking conscious choices. Listening does take a lot of energy, so you need to decide who you're going to listen to. We spoke about leaders and their feeling of power and their feeling of control. But I think employees feel that they cannot show ambition anymore. Right, because usually you always have in a meeting the one that always has the the hand uh, up, answering questions, being there, preparing, extremely ambitious to um, show to the boss what they can do, and they will have a, an issue doing this remotely. Right, this is not as easy as it as it uh, as it feels. You're not there present; they cannot see you all the time. There's little, way little, uh, less exposure. Sorry. 
what is our advice to them? The ones who speak a lot, that was... Who, who the, to the ones that are extremely ambitious and they want to progress in their career and not that they speak a lot, but they want to be heard and they want to be seen more than others. Uh, they want that exposure, which is usually you gain face to face more than you gain remotely. I would love to turn this question again to, to the leader of this team, because really it matters to give appreciation and, uh, and, and feedback or feed forward, however you call it, and give it equally. So what is it that makes this person feel heard and seen and appreciated? And this is another question we should now intentionally ask. Maybe we haven't asked that. How do we want to show appreciation? And again, the answers may vary within the team. Yeah, so this person again, um, yeah, can can if there is a good leader, and this person would be asked, then he or she says, "Hey, this is this is what matters to me." Yeah, and another person will have another answer. Jody, yeah, I don't think I have a better answer than what Susanna <laughs> already gave for that. I think I'm, I'm thinking a little. What's behind the question is people who are really wanting visibility you know they're exactly. wanting to be visible uh, and so I think well why would they not feel visible um, in this remote meeting situation so again it's yeah a bit what Susanna said it's around having the chance for every voice to be heard and that's where actually you know there's a lot of there's some great research um, around how having a kind of a balanced visibility in the team is what makes teams really good. So there's some great research out of MIT from Alex Pentland, looking at what are the factors that makes teams effective. And the conclusion is that teams in which every member of the team speaks and listens in equal measure are the most successful. Um, and it's similar to what What Google also found, they talked about psychological safety in teams. That was what they found after searching, is it the leader, is it the team members, what skills do we need in the team? But what they found in the end is the teams that can create psychological safety. So if you create the environment where the person who is really ambitious and wants to be seen is appreciated and can be their best, and it's also the people who are quieter or more thoughtful and don't speak up as often can also be at their best, then you've got a great team. For sure. And I think my, my two cents on this would be for those who really want to be seen and are willing to take the time out of the, from the others, right? Who maybe are a bit more introvert and are not so outgoing, uh, maybe fostering in this moment team spirit and working together rather than trying to be individualistic and, and just be the hero in any case, I think that in this moment brings way more value and you'll be way more appreciated and considered maybe a future leader, right, by your team and by your boss as well because you're there to support rather than just show off. Yeah, it's a switch from being a hero to hosting heroes. Yes. <laughs> We were talking about uh, teams and I think it's hard for leaders to build team spirit and share the same values 
when they are remote, or at least in the first phase when they're still struggling, okay, what technology, uh, how do I do this? How often do I keep Zoom, Zoom open the whole day or, or not? Uh, is the cat allowed? Is the dog allowed? Are the kids allowed? So while all of this fighting is, is happening right now, how can they still keep the people together and keep that team spirit? Have you seen examples of this with your customers that, uh, that really work and are really nice to share? Well, something that I'm thinking about is that it's, it's also just responding to what are the needs in the present situation. So for leaders, for some leaders who might feel like, oh, I really want to know where everyone is and I want to control, maybe actually that's coming from a position of caring for people. So tapping into that sense of, well, I'm a leader, I care for my team. And one of the things that people need right now is just for to be asked, you know, how are you doing? What do you need? I think that that might be one of the most valuable and impactful things that leaders can be doing right now is just checking in and seeing how people are doing. And again, it's creating that feeling of safety or trying to support a feeling of safety in a situation where actually some people might not be feeling very safe. So that's where I would start. Suzanne? Yeah, um, I think it's about something that we also call team agreement. So, so create this, what, what is our needs? What is our, uh, what feels comfortable for us? And uh, try to get an agreement on, on that. And if it's, hey, we meet uh, two hours in the morning and half an hour in the evening. And in between, we might have a pin board where we write down when we are there or not. Um, and when something is really urgent, this is the channel we can reach out to each other. So if something is burning, yeah, we don't start sending an email <laughs> because it will not work. So, yeah, I think we, we are observing a kind of pattern that there are no no simple recipes it's the big big thing of asking again and again what is helpful valuable and contributing and fruitful for us um are there theoretical frameworks as well for remote working especially yes. from the point of view of organizational design yeah. so what would that be if someone would like to start thinking step-by-step step about this rather than hurrying in, in, into it. Yeah, maybe Jody, you can go to the uh, to the framework and I go to the topic we just touched. So it's about um, getting a sense of what's our way to communicate, what's our way to collaborate and what's our way to coordinate within each other. And then just add the technology you have in place to one of these three. So when do I have a phone call, a Zoom meeting, how often, how long, and where do we get our project tasks lists done or whatever. And that's, that's very simple and very helpful. From, from the world of organization design, I mean, it's, a, it's a really interesting question that you ask, Julia, because normally in an org design project, you think about taking a really systematic approach I'm going step by step and considering 
process and practice and structure and all these different elements. And that's not what we've had the opportunity to do right now. We've been, we're reacting not to a strategic change, but rather to, you know, a change coming from somewhere else, right? An emergency. So slowing down and applying all those steps that you would do, and I'm sure Susanna's done this dozens of times, working through with a company that says, we are going to change to a virtual setup. It probably, you probably have a plan and a training plan and all sorts of plans, and then you work through it step by step. And that's what we're not doing right now. We're more dealing with an emergency. But there's a, so there's a few things that came to my mind, though, that are very useful, I think, in this situation. And Susanna talked about it already is something like prototyping. It's something like saying, okay, we're trying to work like this. And then it could be really valuable at the end of each meeting to pause and say what worked well, what would we like to change, how will we do something differently next time. So, you know, learning as you go is one of the approaches. And another thing that might be really useful is a kind of scenario planning. So most people are thinking, we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what the situation will be like in one month. So let's just wait and see. But it could be more useful to think in terms of scenarios. Like what if this situation lasts for one month? Or what if it lasts until the end of the year? How will we plan in that situation? So there are ways to look forward and to create plans if you think in scenarios. Would it help, in your opinion, to appoint someone in the company to take care of remote work, to be responsible for remote work? So someone who maybe designs the scenarios or plans ahead someone who is uh, taking care of technology and tools because I feel right now that these responsibilities are split, right? The business has a bit, HR has a bit, IT has a bit and it might be kind of hard to coordinate everything. Do you think it would be useful to have one person that is responsible and builds the bridge? Continuously, my answer, it's a good question. My, my answer would be yes, as someone that that really looks at the topics from the perspective of the needs of remote teams. And, and they have these four challenges, the, the geographical distance, technology, social diversity, and all these um, infrastructure topics. Yeah? And the topics are not new, but they have a different meaning if you look at them with the lens or the eyes of someone who focuses on remote teams. So... I think this is a very helpful topic because then this person could also be the um, the internal stakeholder to give uh, the support in, in all these four dimensions. Plus, maybe I'm thinking out loud um, that after the crisis is over, right, and we go back to normal work, maybe you still want to keep part of this remote uh, work active, or maybe you just decided, hey, it's better to work all, all uh, remotely altogether. So I think that maybe you need someone who's coordinating all of that. Yeah. Whatever happens, we will have learned something, right? Every organization will Hopefully. have learned. Yeah. <laughs> have we learned something that we want to continue or have we learned what we don't want to do? So that's it. to me, that sounds like a really good idea to have someone who is coordinating to make sure we capture those learnings. 
And maybe when I one can I share a small anecdote from yeah. <laughs> from our daily lives now? What 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 could stay? Uh, because um, my my husband is a teacher and uh, in in a free school, and now we are also guiding the free school team uh, to working digitally. And in the free school, the the people have the the kids have a lot of what we call free work time. So there's a teamer. Uh, who's ready to uh, to be asked uh, if they need him or her, but they work on their own. And now they are using um, a Google Doc. And so he says, wow, this is really cool because I can see what they are typing, why they're typing. And I, we can be in, an, in even more, more together than in face-to-face. And that was a big wow effect for, for all of them to feel the closeness while working online in the same document and giving and sharing feedback. So the assumption is that this is something that will be kept afterwards. And probably this is now in the school context. We will probably find many, many examples from organization and from teams. It's, uh, it's interesting because having a knowledge repository I think it's it's very useful. We don't do it very much when we are face to face, and uh, but I think even for rules and processes and so on, it's way easier when you're face to face to go and ask someone else. Whether if you have to pick up the phone or write an email, you have a barrier in uh, in between. So maybe starting to have one source of truth that everyone can go back to, or a person that knows what's happening, it might be useful. I think it's a matter of trust as well, and of, <laughs> of having again. worked that trust right and and build that trust beforehand, so you know that the people you are you work with are responsible to make that decision and can make that decision with or without you, and you can just yeah lose that control. This brings us also to the topic which is which is very present now. It's the dealing how to deal with mistakes, how to deal mm-hmm. with failure, how to deal with uh, wrong decisions, and. That's again where we come to the topic of leadership and uh, being vulnerable, and, uh, taking responsibility also for, I don't know, say that as a leader, I don't know. And yes, I have, uh, this decision was not a good one. And let's share what I learned from that. That's all building trust and may reduce bureaucracy in the long run. How how should we deal, because you touched a really nice point, right? Dealing with mistakes and failures. Um, and then usually we say give feedback face-to-face, right? Because you can feel the other person and understand what they're going through. So your emotional intelligence is, is way higher when you are face-to-face. But now we have to do it remotely. So what's what's your advice for leaders that have to give developmental feedback or negative feedback? Because positive is always easy, right? We always laugh. It's ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I'm good. Perfect. I go home and it's it's wonderful. Um, but negative feedback and developmental feedback are always hard and they're hard to swallow. Yeah. I mean, we can now start the discussion about giving feedback because uh, we have also many, many studies that show that feedback, even if it's positive, may be detrimental. <laughs> so that's why the topic of giving feed forward is now coming. And if you call it feedback or feed forward, I think the principle is the same. Um, do it as close as possible. So if it's not possible face-to-face, then I make the assumption we are now 
being more familiar in being in a good relation and in a good contact when we are in an, in an online setting. So that's also the setting we will be using for um, discussing how we have been working together and giving feedback or feed forward. And it should be personal, not an email and not another technology, probably. <laughs> Just the space has changed. But the attitude, how I give this feedback or feed forward, should, doesn't change. And that's the ingredient, not the online or face-to-face -face space. And maybe I'm thinking again that it would be good to negotiate and discuss this remote work up front, right? Because um, you, I think you need to have certain rules that everyone understands. Uh, a meeting is at a set time, not five minutes later, not five minutes uh, earlier, and then you respect each other's time. Uh, do you accept kids or not? Dogs or not? Uh, do you like to see them in pajamas? Uh, you don't care or everyone has to be dressed up? Because I can imagine that there will be leaders and comments and teams which will just not like certain behaviors. And if you don't negotiate them up front because they will change, this might turn into a behavior problem and an issue and a negative feedback, whereas this could have been avoided and the whole stress could have been avoided. And what's your question? <laughs> no, no, it was just a, it was just a comment, not a, not a question. Okay, this time. we're all waiting for questions. <laughs> well, it, I think it's supports, no, I, I, it supports this idea of having upfront, yeah, upfront agreements, right? And there's no yeah. right way or wrong way, right? True. It's just that it's a situation is changing, so you need to discuss it before it happens, so you don't afterwards consider that it's wrong or right or put more stress on the on more stress on the people talking about behaviors uh, i mean we've talked about uh, listening and empowering people to to speak giving them space and all of that any others that you would think from your experience and from the current experience especially that are really really critical for remote working i mean not not critical but maybe some very very core basics where I think if, if people are aware on these two things, then um, working remote can run smoothly or working in online meetings specifically can work smoothly. And this is some, uh, some very practical moderation skills in an online meeting. The first principle is, for example, never ask an open question online. Are there any questions? And you just put this question in, in the black box and you don't get a reply. So the, the number one principle here is always ask a question and connect it with an instruction. So is there a question? If so, please come to the microphone. If not, please give me a short okay in the chat. Um, and by this simple strategy, many, many misunderstandings will be avoided and many people not feeling heard or you know, that people do not feel heard will be avoided. And the other thing is getting used to technology and failure. There's always a plan A and a plan B and a plan C. So if the bandwidth doesn't work, then switch off your camera. And if uh, um, 
yeah, if, if the audio doesn't work, then ask people to move to the chat. So be really super relaxed and comfortable and you will always find a way uh, to work around. It also can be really fun and, and uh, enhancing creativity to deal with that. And that's too, as it is, deal with technology, plan A, plan B, plan C and relax and always ask questions with instruction. That's super pragmatic thing that can be very helpful. Would it help to get anyone by name and uh, I would say, okay, Susanna, do you have a question or jo Jolie, do you have a question or you think it's just better to just say, to, to have a thumbs up on the chat? No, if it's a closing round, I really say, if there's now a question, then mm -hmm. please comment and, or all of you give me a no. If, if, you, okay. if I have from, then again, I have every uh, voice being heard or seen heard. because I really know there are 10 participants mm -hmm. and I've said, okay, please move on. Okay, fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. So I know they're still there. And there are really no questions that we can move on. And uh, in between, it's it's always helpful to ask names, uh, to mention names, and to ask people also more intentionally. Like, hey, is there? Do you have something to contribute, Jody or, or Julia? Mm -hmm. Do that more intentionally. Yes. How about tools? Uh, because everyone is going around that. Zoom is enough or not enough, or uh, yeah, Zoom or Zoom-like uh, applications. Uh, email is enough or not enough. What would you recommend? What do you, from your experience, do you feel that it works and maybe it meets 80% of the expectations, right? And then you can build on that. Mm -hmm. What would they need to think about in terms of tools? The first guidance I would give is less is more. Mm -hmm. And usually what you have is probably already enough. <laughs> so most of the time people don't have to start now uh, implementing many, many new fancy things. So um, what we need is a platform to collaborate, uh, like whatever it is, Jammer or Slack or SharePoint or whatever. So we need a platform to collaborate. We need a platform to, to see, hear and, ask, and, and share um, topics like a video conferencing tool And yes, we still have a phone. <laughs> we still have a phone to take and call. And we still have an email. And um, basically, that's it. And using the tools we have in place efficiently, it, mostly we only use them 30%. So when I give uh, trainings for webinars and I, Skype or WebEx is used for having a phone conference with a shared screen. So people have not used whiteboards or don't know how to, how to use them efficiently or they are not used to uh, using polls or writing in parallel in a, in a, in a Google Doc to, to have the protocol in place after the meeting. So use what you have and you will be surprised by the possibilities that are there. Do you think whiteboards and the polls, are they, are they useful? Oh, yes. Yes, they are. Um, and just to give one example, if we do a brainstorming together, people can simultaneously write all at the same time. So it's so efficient. Yeah, we don't have to have the meta plan one and, and then walk around. We, we do it on spot at the same time in parallel and we see the result within one or two minutes. So yes, a clear yes to use whiteboards. Sure. Did you use breakout rooms as well? 
Oh, yes, often, because that's mm -hmm. another trust uh, thing that really builds trust, especially in the beginning, to have uh, smaller conversations of make breakout groups uh, with two or three persons who can share something, come up with their results, can decide who is going to present, um, also have bigger groups. Yes, I, I use it very, very regularly. And I imagine you do it as you do, do it in a normal setting, right? You was, uh, they have roles assigned in each breakout room, so someone keeps the time, someone takes care that they are on subject or, okay. So it works similar as in day-to-day -day life, only it's, yeah. it's happening And remotely. it enhances playfulness. That's really what I love. It's, it's, we, we get good results and we had real fun. And I love this combination. This is where I really find there's the energy comes back to the teams or comes, yeah. And that's beautiful to experience that. I love that. Perfect. So simple, keep it simple, use what you have to the maximum of the abilities and make it as, as much fun and social as possible. Yes. Jody and Susanna, this is a, again a question for both of you. If people want to reach out and learn about organization design and moving to remote work, reducing bureaucracy, reducing hierarchy, or just moving totally and using the, the online tools, running webinars and, and so on, how can they get in touch with you? How can they reach out? Where would you be available? You can find me on LinkedIn and I have a website. I'll, I'll give you the link to put in the comments. Mm -hmm. On my website, there's also a library section with a whole lot of case studies and links to different resources about organization design. Perfect. Perfect. Send me the link and then I'll share it with, uh, with everyone. And same for me. So um, easiest way is to go to my LinkedIn profile. Also, there's a link to my digital business card, as I call it. And Perfect. I'll make sure to link it. Did I forget to ask you something or should we have spoken about something that is urgent and I wasn't aware of it? Do you think you touched very relevant topics? Beautiful conversation. Yes, I'm I enjoyed sure it could, as well. I'm sure we could have more conversations, but we can save it for another time. Definitely. <laughs> I'm more than happy to host this again. And then we can talk about org design or just webinars or whatever. We can talk or about listening. listening. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a critical skill for the future. Listening. It's a critical skill. Now it's a, it has always been critical. Thank you so much, Jody, Susanne. Thank you for your time. I know you're very, very busy in this uh, in this period, and I know it's chaotic for you as well. So thanks for taking the time and putting the energy into this. Thank you so much, both of you. And Thank for you. your great questions, Julia. Perfect. Bye -bye. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye-bye. Bye-bye.